Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're back here with your host Liam and Bill, here to talk another week of Supercoach. Bill, maybe we'll do a bit of a how-to show this week and you can show me how to delete my team because there were plenty of uh, times last weekend when I was sitting there trying to find that delete button because I made so many uh, you know, errors and had so many players not playing or playing badly for me there. I was just, I was looking for a way out last week. Yeah, I've been looking for that um, how to delete button myself a few weeks uh, running. Um, didn't need it this week, had a pretty good week, but yeah, it's a mystery really where that button actually uh, does lie. I think they make it hard to find for a reason. So we sort of had a Taylor two weeks. Uh, we'll start with you. You had a, a fantastic score. You went up a bit in the rankings. Um, do you want to talk to me a bit about your players that did well and the moves that worked for you? Yeah, um, the lovely Thursday night footy. Love a good Thursday night footy game. And uh, yeah, just happened to throw the vice captain on uh, the old Riley O'Brien there. Um, hopefully, at least someone listened to our podcast and took the advice there. Um, had it on Matt Crouch until we actually did our podcast last week, and then I mentioned Riley O'Brien as a possibility, and I sort of talked myself into it. So, yeah, thankfully put it on Riley O'Brien, and um, yeah, rewarded with 181. Um, you know, it's not every week you get to play a ruckman up against um, you know really a first game ruck there in maybe or Chol. So, pretty happy with that one. Yeah, he was fantastic. Once again, really kicking myself for missing out on the ROB train. I was just that, what, $1,000 short from making that trade when he was around and I missed him. So my score was obviously a bit lower. I scored the 1646. So actually it wasn't terrible. I sort of maintained a bit of, bit of that ground there at about the 6,000 mark. And that was mostly due to my forward line sort of fired for me. I had Dunkley with the 173. Billing step up with the 169. I'm sure everyone had Boak with the 121, but if it wasn't for that forward line, I might have been a bit in trouble there because I was taking a zero, traded in Gardner, and he scored bloody zero as well. So I had a lot of things go wrong last week, but probably my forward line's what saved me from a really terrible score there. Yeah, as you mentioned before, like tail of two weeks almost, not just with us, but with a lot of people. It seems like people either went really big this week or or really small. As you mentioned, there was Dunkley's 173, ROB's uh, 181. In addition, um, a few others that you named in the four-line, but also Kelly in the midfield, um, Brad Crouch in the midfield, McRae, all putting up huge scores. So some people seem to go really big. Um, my score was about 1950, and that's with a zero. So there was definitely some people cracking the 2000s, uh, which in a bye week is you know, very impressive. And um, yeah, I think I jumped up from 11,000 to four. 500. So um, finally back in the top 5k, which is pretty nice. And not only with like the whole scores, but captain scores, especially because you vice captained ROB took the 181 doubled, whereas I waited and ended up captaining Paddy Cripps, who ended up with a 79. So my captain score d- didn't even reach ROB without the captain on him. So lost probably 200 points there on a lot of people's, uh, you know, captain choice in the week because, yeah, I went with Cripps. I thought he was a sure thing, but come us out with another really disappointing score, which is really the first of a few in recent weeks. You know, he was our number one super coach guy, and now I'm sort of sitting there wondering you know, do people bring him in now while he's still not, you know, that expensive? Or do you sort of wait and see if these scores are sort of going to continue over the next few weeks? Yeah, very interesting player because I think we mentioned the other week, um, maybe it was last week, week before, where he had that big 190 score and, you know, it was sort of a jump on now or you'll miss him. So has put up a few um, average scores either side of that mammoth. 
it'll be interesting to see what people do this week. It's probably, um, you'd have to say, it's probably the easiest bye week, I reckon, at least looking at my own side. I've got a lot of players this week, I imagine. The same for you and for most teams. Yeah, I think I'm fielding close to, you know, 20, 21, 22 players, depending on trades. So really is looking like it's going to be the easiest of the, of the buy rounds to get not only your 18 that you can have on the field, um, but you know, you, you're not going to go close to, to missing out with a zero, which is fantastic for most coaches out there. And we also have a lot of really interesting premiums coming off their buys from last week that people can target. And while we've been talking about Riley O'Brien, we might as well talk about the two big rock dogs. Grundy and Gorn, who a lot of people were targeting this time after their buy to bring them in. And Riley O'Brien, well, he scored big and rose in price, but is there a bit of a spanner thrown in the works here for people who are holding Riley O'Brien at Ruck 2 to make that jump to Gorn or Grundy? Because with that 181 in his system, he's dropped back to like a negative 20 break even or something crazy and is set to continue to rise. Would you still be making that trade from Riley O'Brien at R2 to your Grundy or Gorn? Or is it the case now where you might hold off for a few weeks and wait for those price gaps to sort of come together? Yeah, it's really interesting um, because, as you mentioned, I had I have Riley O'Brien at R two, so I have more of a you know more of a need to move him on than most people. Um, if you've got him on the bench, seems pretty easy. Just you know leave him, let him rise another hundred k. But I have him at R two, so you know you want to get him off the field and, and get Gorn's scores as soon as possible. He has the buy this week, so um, you know he's a zero now. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, he's he's going to rise another 100k really from where he is, 90 to 100k um, over the next two playing weeks for him. So it is at the point of the year where you know um, money is tight. And although I had planned a, an ROB to Gorn upgrade this week, um, I think I might just spend the cash elsewhere and yeah, wait a few weeks on Gorn, uh, which does open up a few options. Um, and one of them that I've been toying with is actually just trading Brody Grundy to Gorn. All right, so it's side trading Grundy who might drop a little bit in price to Gorn who's set to rise. Because I think I looked at it before and um, Gorn's sitting there at 700k, but his break even's at like just over 100. And, um, you know, all of the break even websites say that he's not dropped below this value pretty much all year, that he's definitely going to reach his break even this week. So with Gorn continuing to rise, the side trade over to Grundy, I can't say I can recommend it myself. I mean, you know, when you make that trade, you want it to be worth the money. So the differential that you're going to get between the prices when you're when you're trading them in to be over 100k, which you know I'm not 100% sure the difference will be that big, but it's just made it really interesting because of Riley O'Brien's um, possible change in price. I'd probably just either hold Rob for a week or two if you're short of money. Otherwise, if you've got plenty of cash, you know you can make the jump now. Or as you said, if you've got Robert R3, that's that's really the golden position. Now, if you're somebody who managed to have him on the bench as a cash cow, you'll be able to downgrade him in two weeks and you know use that cash for probably two upgrades, which is, you know, that's the position I wish I was in right now. Yeah, so just touching um on that that Gorn to Grundy, or sorry, Grundy to Gorn potential trade there that there's a few reasons why I'm looking at it, and one of them is that you know the Grundy performance uh two weeks ago now against Gorn that head-to-head where he he looked a little bit injured and then you know i've been reading here and there about maybe he has an ankle issue um so he does have the bulldogs this week which would normally mean you know a pretty huge score for a ruck but 
yeah, just if those injury issues are actually a concern or whether they're just rumor that might force my hand on whether or not to make the trade because if he is injured and he's going to come out and score, you know, 90 to 100 again, then price probably goes into free fall and, you know, you'll be kicking yourself if you didn't make that sideways trade. So, going to have to probably read up on uh, on whether Brody Grundy is actually injured or not. Um, if he is, then I think people might want to consider it. Yeah, I mean, with a premier ruckman like Grundy, you don't also want to be trading him out, as you said, before he goes huge against the Bulldogs. So you do have to do your research very closely because a lot of teams have been coming up against the Dogs and the rucks dominating in the tap-out department, and we know Grundy already scores around the ground, which means that combined his score could be really huge. Uh, we saw that with Rob on the weekend. I mean, he scored apparently 100 supercoach points from hitouts to advantage alone when he was coming up against, you know, a no-name Ruckman. So just that score build you can get from taps to advantage coming up against a lesser Ruckman is really huge. So he's a really good captain option this week, I think, Grundy, if he is fit, if he isn't, you know, carrying this injury that's been a bit, you know, banded around over the last few days. So, yeah, I, I would be hesitant to trade him out. I'd probably be leaning more towards putting him as my captain. So a very interesting situation. And for everyone with the Rucks at the moment, unless you started Grundy and gone, you got a few decisions to make both about who to bring in, but also the timing of when it's most appropriate. So I guess uh, one of the other things about this buy is that we sort of touched on it, but a lot of the premiums are uh, have now had their buy in either week one or week two, um, the big dogs. So just a list of a few names here, Grundy and Gorn themselves. You've got Dangerfield, Kelly, um, Lockie Neal, and then down back you've got uh, Shannon Hearn and Jake Lloyd. So they're pretty much the top dogs on their respective lines. Um, and I imagine those are the targets that everyone's going for this week. Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's a, a fair few options out there for the coaches um, and there's a, a few different things to consider and one of the main ones that I think you should be considering is um, who, like what spaces you have to fill on each line and who you would like to take them. So don't go trading in someone filling your last you know, defensive spot when you don't have someone like Whitfield yet and you, you ideally want him in your team when he comes back. And is it a good price? Because I'm looking at him down back. He's meant to be coming back after the buyers. We don't really know if that's going to be, you know, in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. And we know that when he does come back, his price will be on the decline. So I might be looking at, say, upgrading my other positions and potentially leaving a Marty Hoare or someone in defense to, you know, allow that defensive spot to be filled later, which is a very, uh, you know, important thing that people should be considering. And you have other players like we saw Cunnington get, you know, the clamp of DeBoer on the weekend and put out a 59. So if you had your eye on him, you know, in two weeks' time, he's going to be pretty cheap. So at this stage of the year, it is about looking at, you know, which big dogs you want to bring in, but also looking at, you know, which positions you might want to fill in a one week or two weeks if you haven't fully completed your team yet, because if you're going to be still filling places in a few weeks' time, there's, you know, a few players out there who I think might be at pretty nice prices. Yeah, and the other side, I guess, of the trade equation is is trying to get good rookies uh, for cover on your bench. Um, if you obviously can afford to throw someone like Dersma or Stack onto the bench there and, and leave them, then that's ideal. But um, I probably won't be able to do that. I'm assuming most teams aren't going to have that luxury. If, if you do, you're obviously doing quite well. But um, yeah, just maybe looking into which rookies there are um, possible to trade in over this week or next week uh, might be a good idea. So 
on the bubble. Uh, not really too sure who we have. I guess we've got Dylan Clark from the Dons. Yeah, Clark's one that I traded in last week and was really happy with his output. He's a little bit more expensive there in the midfield at 148k, but he's got that 88 break even. So he's not only putting up scores that you can field, but also if he does keep getting games, his price jump is going to be immense. So that's really important to consider. Um, Woosh has been very hesitant to lock his spot in the team, even though he's been fantastic. He keeps on saying when we're playing a defensive midfielder, you know, we're getting found out by the opposition as a, as a midfield collective, even though he's been doing his jobs on, you know, Jager Amir and, and Cripps to a, a really fantastic extent, which I'm not sure if he's just foxing and not wanting to lock a tagger into his team because I think he's been playing fantastic. But in terms of downgrade options, I would have Clark up there at number one. Um, if you're looking in the midfield, there are a few options as well. We've seen uh, Nash from Richmond play a couple of games and he's put up pretty good scores. What do you make of Nash as a trading option? Is at the 123, so a bit cheaper for coaches out there? Yeah, Nash is a defender, um, so a good defensive option there. Um, brought him in, same for you. You brought in Clark a bit earlier. I went on Nash a bit early and uh, yeah, put up a 67. He's on the bye this week, so no rush. You've got that extra week there if if um, you know, you've know you got other plans to come to fruition. Um, looking at the forward line is a bit weak. That's probably where I'd be most worried about getting good cover. Um, ideally, at this point in time, you're only jumping on rookies that you think can provide good cover score. And, you know, I'm looking at my own forward line now and seeing the bench of Young and Gardner, which doesn't fill me with confidence. So um, are there any options for people out there in the forward line? Uh, yeah, Gardner's really the only one out there that you can sort of look at, even though his scores have been quite putrid, at least he's getting games. And who knows with these big forwards, it sort of just takes them one week of a couple of clunks, a couple of goals to get a bit of a price jump. But at the same time, I wouldn't really be liking the look of a Gardner Young uh, forward line either. At the moment, I've got Gardner down back as the weak link with you know a stronger second rookie and up forward. I've got Young with um, Setterfield as the stronger rookie, and I considered trading sort of Setterfield down with DPP to a defender this week. But I don't really like the look of having that double weak defender in one line in the forward line if I bring Gardner up there. So definitely would be considering jumping on some of these higher scoring players if your downgrades allow you to. Um, when we're talking about the back line, uh, Griffin Logue is is one that we've seen one game from, so people can take a look over the next few weeks. But his 93 on the weekend was quite impressive, Bill. Yeah, definitely. Um, once again, a bit more expensive there at 160000 Um So a bit of an issue, I guess, when you're trying to squeeze every penny um, at this stage of the year. But if he's going to keep putting out that sort of output, I think he'll end up in a lot of teams. Um there's a few other options, I guess, down the line. We're sort of getting a bit speculative here, but um, DeBoer has gone down injured. I think he's done a shoulder, um, probably be out for about two months, so potentially opening a spot there for uh, Jackson Hatley. I know we've said it a few times now, but yeah, potentially games him for there. And uh, as well, probably one to keep an eye on, I guess, also maybe down the line is Harley Bennell, uh, potentially from Fremantle, could get a game. Yeah, all really interesting options. I'll touch on Hately first with that, yeah, eight-week shoulder to DeBoer. Um, first of all, we should just rejoice as super coaches because no DeBoer clamp is coming on any of our super, uh, super coach stars for the next 
you know, two months, which is really fantastic. I can captain whoever I want without worrying about about that tagger. But I believe Haitley will come into this side for him. And if he does, we've got to seriously look at, at bringing him in if we think he'll be in for an extended period of time. His scoring capacity and money generation will be really huge. The thing that I am worried about is that, you know, he's at the 160k, we've got Clark at the 150k, Logue at the 160k as well, who all look like great options. And, you know, we're looking for cash gen here off players that really haven't hit the heights as what they were at the start of the year. So I'm in a position where I'm struggling to find players to downgrade without downgrading my stars like Walsh and Dersmer and Hoare and these types because they're the ones that I want to upgrade from. And if I downgrade one of them to these players, you know, I have $200,000 players that I'm trying to upgrade from. I need to keep these sort of high scoring players um, as sort of stepping stones up. And then I look at my bench of who I can downgrade and, you know, they're sitting there at 230k or 240k and if I want to upgrade, I sort of want to maximize my money. So it's really hard for me to look at all of these 160 options as as good as they are for trading them all in because it might not leave me with enough cash generation for the upgrades that I want to do. Yeah, it's tough. Got to walk the tightrope, I guess. Um, just trying to think about how people's teams might be looking at this stage. Um, I guess people who are in contention at least or, or trying to finish as high as they possibly can in the rankings are probably going to be looking at close to completed teams would be my guess, um, just depending on how many trades people have left. So um, if people are listening, be interested, maybe we can throw it up on the Twitter and just see how many trades people have left because I know that I'm burning through them um, you know, at a rapid rate trying to get myself back up the rankings uh, as I have done a bit recently. Um, yeah, almost run out of trades there. So I think that would be quite interesting. Um, how many do you have, Liam? Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Um, at Science of Footy is our Twitter for anybody who wants to get on and check that poll. We might chuck it up as um, you know the amount of trades you'll have by the end of the buy. So after this week's trades and see what people are sitting with uh, myself, I'll just open it up. But I know I did keep a few more than you during the season. Um, at the moment, I've got 12 left. Uh, sitting there so I'll probably make a couple of those trades this week and end the buys with about 10 and just for a point of reference I've still got Horde, Dersma and Walsh on field as rookies so I'll need to do at least three more of those upgrades to go so um, yeah by the end of uh, the buys I'll probably be looking at you know something like in the range of having around 10 and having a couple of rookies left to upgrade so that's sort of where I'm sitting where do you find yourself? Yeah, no, so that makes sense to me um, because, as we mentioned a few times, I burnt two absolute wasted trades in my, my first week of trading in week three this year. So apart from those two trades, I think we've pretty much gone trade for trade. Um, this does make sense because I will finish the buys um, with two players left to upgrade on the field and with six trades. So accounting for two trades uh, for an upgrade there, that would put me on eight um, if I was you know the same number of upgrades as you with three left to do and then the two that i just threw away at the start of the year so it does make sense uh, it looks like yeah i'll be i'll be there with six trades at the end of the buys which is a bit worrying and two more players to upgrade dersma and o'brien uh, as well as having the cash in the bank there with about 150 to to play with yeah i think for people who are wondering how many trades they should have in general, you want to be finishing your team complete with between four and six uh, trades left to account for injuries and luxury trades later on. So all of this is very team dependent, but 
Um, you do want to leave yourself with enough room to either have a couple of trades up your sleeve or to have that extra, you know, midfielder on the bench that's a premium or forward line bench player that's a premium that you can swing on um, for either loopholes or for your cover or to have some extra trades stacked away, probably at least four of them for um, any injuries that do occur. Um, But that being said, we're saying these numbers like um, all players are equal. I mean, at the moment, before my trades this week, I've still got Goldstein, I've still got um, Tom Rockcliffe, I've still got Brody Smith in my team, and these are the sort of players where if I end up with the luxury trades, I'll be moving these players up, um, particularly Goldstein and Brody Smith there. I think that I wouldn't be quite happy with my final team going up against what some other people have in those positions. So when we're talking about the amount of trades and the amount of rookies you've got left, I think you need to look a bit deeper into your team because if I've got complete um, premiums and Marty Hoare and players on my team, I think that team would be a lot stronger, even if they've got a couple of less trades uh, sitting there in the bank. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a good point. Um, maybe just have a look at some of these premiums that people might be still aiming to get in. Um, who's it? Who's at low ownership that you maybe have an eye on, Liam? Well, I think there's a few players in the midfield that I want to get your opinion on. That not only do they have low ownership, some of these players, but low prices, which. When we're talking about all these players we want to get in and we all want them Neils, we want them, you know, McCrae's and we want the top dogs on each line and everyone's already trying to get them. But there's probably a couple of other players if you want to be a bit different and save a bit of money that you can look at. Um, one that I really want to get your opinion on this week is um, Brayshaw from the Demons. He's dropped all the way down to $423,000, which means that you can gain money by trading Sam Walsh to Brayshaw this week. He went um, 116 before his bye. He's had a week off. He was back in the middle of that game, got over 30 touches. Do you see him as a possible player who can storm home in the second half of the year and sort of recapture what he did last year and sort of for that 423 price tag give you numbers that could be similar to some of these other midfielders that you might trade in? Yeah, it's a big risk, obviously. I mean, pretty much... Everyone who had Angus Brayshaw at this point is either holding him, hoping he comes good, or has already jumped off. Um, so it's definitely a, a point of difference move. Um, if you're, yeah, if you've got the stones to make it, I guess. Um, it's it's tempting, I guess, with that downgrade from Welsh. And there is precedent, um, noting that last year the player that I have in mind here is Dane Zorko. I think he started at about, oh, I don't even know, but it, you know, it would have been 500 and something. Um, put up pretty average scores over the first six weeks and then um, yeah, then flicked the switch and went back to, I think from round six onwards, averaged his usual 110 or so, um, including some huge scores, 160s, 140s and so forth. So there is precedent with players doing it. Um, I'm not too sold on Brace on myself though. He's had a long run of games where he's had, I guess, the touches to put a good score on, but not the effectiveness. And that can be something that's a bit harder to flick the switch on um, to improve your disposal efficiency just, you know, on, on the turn of, a, turn of a hat as opposed to someone who's maybe getting played out of position and then has a positional change like, uh, say, Josh Dunkley. 
Yeah, all very good points. Maybe one of these two players might be a little bit more up your alley. If you have a little bit more money at around the $510,000, so we're still not talking the 600000 like a lot of these other players. If you're, if you're short on cash, there are two players that really caught my eye, and one of them was Rory Sloan sitting there at $511,000 because he's very interesting because he's got the 109 average across the season, but because of an injured game 35, his price has plummeted over the last two weeks, and you can get one of the top uh, midfielders at the moment 109 average on the season for 510k and he's sitting right alongside Trelaw there at 508 and he's got that 105 average so two proven scorers who are sitting there at a much discounted price than what we see compared to these other premiums do you see either of those guys making it into top eight at the end of the season yeah I could um, they're definitely two that are more likely in my opinion than, than Brayshaw and probably be more happy to take a chance on them particularly Sloan I think we've seen that he can have those huge games um, and yeah if you just obviously happen to trade him in at the right time you could luck into a few of those big games um, Brad Crouch has been in some pretty good form lately so maybe um, he'll be taking the points away there but it's really hard to say with Sloan it, it sort of depends on whether he gets tagged and, and who the Crows are coming up against and, and how they're doing but I'd be more confident jumping on Sloan at 510, I think, than I would be getting a cheaper cheaper option in Brayshaw. Um, the Demons, you know, it doesn't look like they're going to play finals. We could probably see them start a shut up shop, shut up shop for the season uh, at some stage, perhaps. Yeah, uh, very interesting points. And these are the sort of things that people should start looking into, um, which teams they think will be making, you know, finals or close to, because these teams, because we've now got the week off after the last week, don't really want to be giving their premiums too many rests come the close of the season because you don't want, you know, your star players to have interrupted in and out, in and out of the team. Um, but at the same rate, if you've got clubs like Melbourne who still think that they have a chance to be really good next year um, but, you know, won't be making finals this year if they wrap some of their premiums in cotton wool. So maybe that is someone like your... Brayshaw or the one that I'm even more worried about is Gorn because we know Proust is sitting there in that VFL team so if Gorn gets any niggles that you know he's not going to play injured for the rest of the year he'd be someone who you'd put in for surgery or you know rest a lot so these things I'd consider I wouldn't really base my picks solely around them but you're going to have to take them into account um, as one of the factors alongside things like um the draw that these teams have coming up because we might be at a point where one club's played all of the teams at tag and they're playing all the bottom teams for the next bit of a run. So these sort of things come more important come the end of the year because, you know, the way they are going to perform at the start and the end, uh, you know, could be completely different because of those factors. Yeah, lots to consider, I think, as we make our final upgrades. Um Maybe just to, to finish it off this week, because there's not really a heap to talk about, I don't think, in terms of this actual bye week. It seems pretty easy um, for most, but maybe players who are looking at almost becoming unobtainable um, that you might want to get in right now. So I know that Gorn is at 700,000 and, and set to go up to 730 over the next couple of weeks. Um, another one maybe is Dunkley. Um Obviously, a bit late to the party now to jump on him, but he's almost at 600k, and I think he's going to hit 650. Um, and yeah, just trying to think of another one, but potentially Josh Kelly's already at 650 and doesn't really look like he's going to drop off in a big way um, anytime soon. Is there anyone else, Liam, that you think maybe people need to jump on right now if they have the opportunity or they might be able to uh, 
or might not be able to later on? Yeah, um, uh, first of all, I'll just touch on Josh Dunkley, who I mentioned last week was my number one must-have in Supercoach. He got a 173. He's sitting there at $600,000, just under, and seriously, he went up $40,000 last week and will probably do a very similar thing today. So he's under 20% ownership in teams, which means that there are a lot that still don't have him. And for me, he is the out-and-out number one player that you should be trading in uh, you know, above anyone. Um, you mentioned the Ruckman, which are which are interesting um, for pricing out. And otherwise, I think the main ones are really that you want to make sure that you get some of those midfielders because they're all around the same price. You know, your, your fives are about to jump. Your Kelly is already quite high. Um, the other players in the back line, you know, Hearn is already so high. You know, I don't think that he's necessarily going to keep pushing up from his price. So... Those sort of players, I'd almost wait to see if they'll drop a little bit, even though, you know, the way he's playing, he might not ever, you know, come down from that high price. So it's it's more looking at the positions where you think that you'll get priced out. And I really see the forward line in Dunkley and the midfielders, like you mentioned, Kelly being the ones that I'd be more worried about pricing me out than, um, than the positions like the defenders and the rocks where, you know, they're already so high, the players that I'm really worried about. Um Whereas the players that, you know, are still sort of bubbling around the mark, like, you know, your Ryans and, you know, these types, your Leds and your Sicilies in defense, they're all sort of around the mark that they should be. Would you agree with that with the defenders? Yeah, I think that's that's a very astute observation there. Like, it seems like we could probably wait on the defenders a bit longer than the other positions and, and have that be your last upgrades there. And in addition to what you mentioned, we also have Whitfield coming back, who might be a bit cheaper, so... I think that is good advice. Probably try and get quickly onto players like Dunkley, like Gorn, like Kelly, whoever, whoever it may be, um, and potentially leave your defenders to uh, yeah appreciate a bit as well because a lot of people running uh, Marty Hoare and, and Xavier Dersma still have cash to make. Um, Nash, who looks a relatively decent uh, downgrade option if he keeps his spot, averaging 72.5, so... I think you do have options there. And then a few cheaper guys, as you mentioned, Sicily's still pretty good price. Uh, Harris Andrews found some form. And then you have a few fallen players as well. Um, you know, Cade Simpson, Jack Crisp. Lots of options there, I think, in the defensive line. So potentially prioritize other lines before the defensive line. So moving into this week, uh, we've got our final buy round. So we'll be very happy to see the back of this. Um, are there any tips that you have for this week in terms of captaincies or you know must fields, must trades? Yeah, not not a heap because I think it is a relatively easy week. Um, we we already mentioned there's a lot of players who are just coming off their buy um, that you know players will be pretty interested in bringing in if they don't have them. So you're two big rucks. Um, your Geelong forwards, be it Kelly, Dangerfield, Hawkins, uh, midfielders in Neil and defenders in Hernan Lloyd. So lots of trade-in options. Just grab whichever one you don't have, I guess. Um, y- unless your team is a bit of a weird structure, I think you're going to be fine in terms of making 18 this week. So probably not a huge worries there. Just looking at my own team, you know, I have I have um, potentially eight playing forwards, um, potentially eight, so potentially seven playing defenders. So it doesn't seem like it's too hard of a bye week. Anything for you, Liam? Yeah, I think one thing to add that if you are in the position like we are where you're fielding a lot of players this week, 
When you're looking at your um, trades for the week and you had sort of upgrades you were looking at, don't be afraid to look at these price changes. And if you've got a rookie that might still rise and you've got a premium you want to trade to who might still fall, that it might be better to wait this week because it's not like most weeks where you're going to do a straight swap of that premium to a rookie. You're sort of looking at a bunch of players where you'll only take some scores. So this is a week out of all of them where you can potentially wait and allow those prices to get to a to a better differential in one week or two weeks' time maybe um, to allow yourself to do that. And as we said, we've got a few really interesting rookies that might be on the bubble in you know, your Clarks and maybe even Haitleys. So it could be a week to do a couple of downgrades, get a big cash generation in the bank, and you're not going to be fielding an extra rookie necessarily this week because of the amount of plays you've had. So I'd definitely look at the prospects of these price changes going forward. In terms of captains and vice captains, I mentioned already Grundy on the Sunday against the Dogs will be a lock VC for me. Um, if he's in your side, I would recommend doing the same. Uh, whereas the captain option, we've got a fair few. Fife against Melbourne, uh, Neil against St Kilda, and I would definitely um, look at Jake Lloyd against Hawthorne. We see a lot of uh, defenders getting a lot of the ball against Hawthorne, so Lloyd uh, at the SCG on the Friday could be a first look in for a lot of coaches. Yeah, I think I'll have to agree with that one. Just brought up my team now, and I've got the V on Lloyd and the C on Grundy, sort of as you mentioned there. So I think those are the the obvious choices there. Um, if you have Gorn, obviously he's up against uh, Fremantle, who are playing Darcy at the moment, who, you know, promising young ruck, but not really one of the elites at this stage. So potentially Gorn there, um, and he's in ripping form as well. So uh, I think, yeah, if you've got Gorn, then Gorn's an option. If you've got Grundy, then probably the C on Grundy against uh, the Doggies, probably a good bet. Ruckman coming into fray again. Uh, once again, I'm kicking myself for not starting with the set and forget in the rucks. Uh, really wishing that I had gone in my team and uh, might get him in this week. I'm going to have to wait till s- to see how my trades pan out. Do you have any trades locked in for yourself so far? Yeah, I think I'll make uh, at least two. I'm looking at um, Brody Smith to James Sicily, I think. Um, as you mentioned before, Smith, you know, one of those players where technically could be considered a keeper but not really too happy looking at him in your team there he seems to have dropped off um had a bit of a role change recently i think he's going at about 75 for the last five games so that's not ideal um relatively cheap upgrade just to go to sicily there and um obviously gives that extra player with smith on the buy and then i have a bit of cash to splash now that i probably won't bring in gone this week and i figured that it's probably best uh, to spend it and you know worry about making a bit of cash later to get that gone upgrade again so i think i'll probably go sydney stack uh, unfortunately saying goodbye to sydney stack he's been a great servant in the team i think i'll upgrade him to lucky neil yeah all really good trades there uh with the sicily thing i'll touch on watching him on the weekend line up in the forward line uh i think it's probably good for super coaches that he did and didn't really have much of an impact and then went straight to the back line and had a bunch of touches so hopefully clarko's learned his lesson and keeps him down back because he really wasn't scoring up forward and if this is going to be something that continues i'd almost recommend people to have another look at sicily for another week or two and make sure he's not gonna you know play half the game forward permanently because if he years we've got so many options around that mark you know your Daniel Riches and even you know your people who don't have your Ryans and uh Hooley was disappointing on the weekend but he's still around that mark as well Tom Stewart so 
it is a very interesting uh, prospect. I brought him in a couple of weeks ago, so I still think he's a fantastic super coach scorer, but only in the defense. So make sure you're careful out there if you're going to trade in Sicily this week or next week. Just be careful and read the lines, you know, listen to the coaching reports. And if you think that he might play forward, it, it might be worth uh, trying another option instead. Yeah, definitely something to be mindful of. Um, can't really think of too much else that people need to be aware of this week. I guess maybe just take note. Uh, it's obviously a Thursday game this week, West Coast versus Essendon on the Thursday night. So obviously you've got to have uh, mindful of that and just make sure you've got everything set uh, properly before that Thursday game. Yeah, I think that's all good advice. Uh, another short uh, podcast this week in the buys. There's always less games, less things to talk about. I think you all should have a, a bit of an easier week this week than what you did last week. And um, yeah, I'm definitely not putting the captaincy on Crips again because I'm going to try and get more than an 80 out of my captain this week. <laughs> yeah, always good uh, chasing those big scores. Can't can't all have Riley O'Brien there with 181. So uh, we've got to take what we can get. But yeah, as you mentioned, should be a, a pretty easy bye week this week, hopefully for a lot of coaches out there. All right, that's all from us this week. As we said, get on our Twitter at Science of Footy and we'll put up that trade poll and uh, a couple of other little tidbits on there as well. And otherwise, all the best for the upcoming week and we'll catch you next week on the Science of Footy podcast. Mm-hmm.